Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Comes to Boyce, chance to shoot, back on his left foot, left foot shot, and Boyce! Oh, what a play out the team here from Boyce! He scored! <laughs> and it's 2 1 odds! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by a trio, at least initially this week anyway. First up, of course, it's Mark Donaldson. Yes, hello, no one's interested in what I have to say. I'm interested in what the next person you're about to introduce has to say. Did you know who I was going to go to next? I don't care. I'm interested in both of them. <laughs> okay, well, we are joined by our lucky 13. Yay! Mr. Ryan McGowan. I was wet. I thought you would have had something better up your sleeve for my reintroduction, but I'm happy with unlucky number 13. Wait, well, what, How what are we, everybody? Good, yeah, good. But, but hold on. What, what were you expecting? A drum roll, for fuck's sake. The man who couldn't oh, even well, make the bench for Australia, Ryan McGowan. Oh, there you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Something along those lines. Something along those lines would have been uh, what I would have guessed. You, you know what's going to happen, though, don't you? Australian squad's going to get hit by food poisoning. Tom Ke- Ryan McGowan's <laughs> going to pay for Tom Kitchen to <laughs> feed the Australia squad. So they all come... No, I'm, I'm just well, kidding. I mean, there's, uh, there's, no, there's no correlation whatsoever that, between that and that. But Gowser's somehow going to end up in the Australia squad and he's going to be involved in a goal in their opening day win. And he's just going to he's just going to stick the fingers right up at us for all the yeah. times done, sir, that you've abused him. Like, he seems awfully angry at somebody in the crowd for that Australia winning. <laughs> I'll just be sticking two fingers right up to Dunsire, right through the camera. And he will know, he'll be sitting in Musclebra, he will know what that two fingers is for. It'll be right for you. But it's good to be back. I've missed you. Yes, mm. it's good to you've have you. You've not conceded back, a goal, have you? You've not conceded a goal since you were last on. Is that right? You've you've been great for him. Uh, we've conceded many. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, we beat Saint Mirren and then um a game again, nil obviously passing the Queen and then nil nil Ross County. So big game for us this weekend away to uh, Dundee United at Tanner Ice. But yeah, we're going all right just now. We're doing all right. Well, they will they remember the when you were there and got them relegated. Uh, there you go again. Um, possibly, <laughs> possibly. Might the take, might take Maybe they'll like you. Like. Maybe they'll like you from the time that you were with Dundee and got them relegated. Again, another possibility. <laughs> we, we, I'm not exactly sure what kind of reaction I will get. Did captain them on a few occasions. Also played in the cup final for them. But you never know. Did you win? You never know. Never got beat, but doesn't matter. <laughs> I was still in the team. 
I know. So yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Well, we are delighted to be joined by Ryan, but we're also delighted to be joined by another guest uh, this week, uh, Scott McIntosh, who many will maybe know better as Amaruso Let's It Run on Twitter and YouTube, of course, and previous host of Monday Night Fitbar as well. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for having me on this evening, Jets. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. I, I had a look at Amaruso Let's It Run on YouTube the other day. It got over 1,100 subscribers now. I think circa 55,000 views or so. Very popular channel. Uh, if I'm honest, I've, I've actually I've got myself some video enhancing equipment, so I'm planning on getting all the older videos enhanced so that they're, they're better quality. Unless okay. you're watching them on your phone now, they're not really worth much, so... That's the that's the next uh, the next thing I've got in my schedule. Well, there was a clip going around of was it Brazil in about nineteen seventy Brazil in four K? Is that what we're we're hoping for? Against hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Un- that. Unrelated to hearts. Unrelated now here's Jock Brown with the commentary from the Maracana. Brazil <laughs> against hearts. <laughs> no, unrelated to hearts, but there was an enhanced um video of I'm pretty sure it was nineteen seventy Brazil. I don't know if you saw that, Scott. No, no, I didn't actually. Um, I'll need to find it. It was doing the rounds on social media. Um, it was like in 4K, so it was like a quality you've not seen those kind of old clips in. So that's that's maybe that's maybe quite an ask. I know that you've um, it's only a, a side hobby for you, but uh, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, I think it's. I, we should say. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. I know you, you know you're saying some of the video qualities maybe not the best, but some of them are very old, and I know that you're working off old VHS tapes but it's absolutely i i love going and watching old videos some some from games that i was too young to have ever seen some from games that i just have fond memories from being there i, I think it's absolutely yeah. terrific and i think so many hearts fans and probably hearts players ryan um like no, to, i, I to was literally content. just about to say that i really enjoy it on the on this day you know back in those i really enjoy watching those little two minute or three minute clips so keep up the good work a little bit more of games I'm involved in, if you can, but that's just a personal, <laughs> just a personal preference. But no, it is good. I really, Honestly, I really do Scott, enjoy watching them. Scott, every every eighteenth of May, he, he messages <laughs> us and says, "Don't, don't disturb me tomorrow. It's an on this day." I was like, "Why? What happened on the nineteenth of May? Don't disturb me. We get the warning twenty four hours in advance for the on this day in twenty twelve. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I do enjoy that day. <laughs> I think most Hearts fans do, to yes. be fair. Um, so I should say, without further ado, uh, this week is our first instalment of No Idle Talk. So, Scarves Down the Funnel, No Idle Talk. Uh, the same name is a very popular fanzine, which um, from our preamble to the start of this podcast, I understand, ran for about 13 years, mm. from 1992 to around 2005. Um, so we will pay homage to that at some point during the episode. Scott has very kindly dug out some of the old content from there. But the main focus of this episode is to hear from some of you, our listeners, who have got in touch and said you wanted to come on the show and have a chat with us. So we have a few callers lined up, so to speak. For want of a better word, it's not it's not phone calls anymore, but you know, in the days of Zoom and, and video calls, it's 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 about as accurate as you can get. We've had We've some, some letters. Yeah. Um, so over the next hour or so, we are going to chat to some um, some of you who've got in touch about questions and topics. Some of them you've let us know. Some of them we have no idea what you're going to ask us. So um, this could get interesting. And myself, 
Mark, uh, Ryan and Scott will give our thoughts and our opinions and hopefully it'll be entertaining to you listening at home and to those who join in as well. Um, Scarves Around the Funnel is brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Um, so yeah, let's get cracking with this episode. Hello, you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel. I am Laurie Dunsire. And first up, our our first call uh, on this week's episode of Scarves Around the Funnel, No Idle Talk, is Robbie Dow. How are you doing, Robbie? I'm doing all good. How's, how's it going? Uh, very well, thank you. This is um, this is new for us. It's new for you. Uh, you are joined by myself, Laurie. We've also got Mark Donaldson. We've got Ryan McGowan. And we've got Scott McIntosh of Amoruso Let's It Run as well. Um, Robbie, Robbie, congratulations. First caller. How does it feel? <laughs> uh, a lot of pressure. Already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because Ryan McGowan's on the podcast, Robbie. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to see Ryan on there. Ryan McGowan's been under pressure many times. He's been relegated at once, twice. Is it just twice or is it not? <laughs> Again, no, we're, sire. Sire. we're just, That's it's the first caller. Jeez, let the, <laughs> the boy... first caller. Come on. <laughs> I do apologize. I think he did all right one year for Hearts, about 10 years ago as well. But anyway. Anyway, Robbie, thank you for getting in touch. I understand um, you wanted to, first of all, have a quick chat about player contracts. Yeah. Uh, from my understanding, looking at the contract situation at Hearts, I only think two of the players that are running out should be signed instantly right now. Okay. And I think it's Connor Smith and Finley Pot for young talents. And I think them two, they are, should be instantly signed for a new deal. Okay. I think the others are fighting for a place to get another contract in my eyes. Okay, so I'll quickly run through the players who are out of contract as things stand at the end of the season. I've kind of grouped these, so in my eyes, sort of three regulars, um, injuries aside. So we've got Michael Smith, Liam Boyce and Peter Haring. Michael Smith, 34 now. Um, Liam Boyce will be 32 when his deal ends at the end of the season. Peter Haring, who's um, 29, he will almost be 30 when the deal ends. Your thoughts on those three, Robbie? They're, they're, those to me are the three sort of regulars who, if they're fit, you'd think yeah, would possibly it, be in the starting eleven. Yeah, I think if it's a, if they're all fit and they're use, they can be used as backups or first team as is. But like I say, with Michael Smith, is his legs running out for Hearts, or is it just as a good role for just put from Atkinson to him and swap in and out? if we're still in Europe for next season, hopefully. And then, I feel like I say, for Leon Boyce and everything like that, even if it's injury, what will happen to him when he comes back? Is he mm-hmm. is he going to be back to the usual self? Is he going to be... Is he just going to fall apart from that injury and it's just going to take a while to come back? Because like when he comes back, it's near the end of the season, so it's going to be hard for him to fight for that contract, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And with Peter Hara and everything, I think uh, what you call it, but he's got given a year deal. I think it was just there for for because of Benny's injury. I think if Benny wasn't injured and they knew the new midfielders were coming, I think he would uh, might not actually be at the club this season. He was a good 
player for us, but I think it might be the end of the season for him. Okay. Um, Ryan, I want to ask you quickly about Liam Boyce from, and this is it's an interesting one because I know what Robbie's point is, and I, I was thinking about this as well. So, very important player for Hearts. He will be 32 when his deal ends, and he will possibly not have played again from this point. Maybe, maybe coming towards the end of the season, but he's likely going to be out for the best part of a year. Does that make it quite tricky from a renewal point of view? Because I know you said before, if you've been out for a certain period of time, you probably need that same period of time to get back to your best. So a year deal, is that even going to get Liam Boyce back to his best? Sure, you're coming with me with the hard questions and not Mark when it's a tricky one. But um, I think personally, I would sign Smith again if he wants to stay. I would let Big Peter go. And with Liam Boyce, I would offer him a year contract, but have a you know an agreement in place. He has to play a certain amount of games to then get another year. I think okay. you know the way that the way that he's has played for Hearts since he's been at the club. I think it would leave a little bit of a, a sour taste. I know there's no loyalty in football, but you know you'd want to see Hearts as a club almost look after him. Listen, at the end of the season, he could be like, uh, I'm not really, you know, I've been out for a year. I'm not that keen to like fight for my place. I'd much rather go to somewhere where I could be a starter week in, week out. But I'd like to think that if he wanted to stay, Hearts would have a contract on the table for him, albeit with, you know, it, it could even be a slightly less uh, weekly amount with a higher appearance fee. You know, so mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's not playing every week, he's not on the same amount of money. But then if he does play, that boosts it back up to, you know, similar, if not more. So, there's lots of ways around those types of contracts, but um, you know, I definitely think out of the three that you mentioned, it would be um, Smith and Boyce. If they wanted to stay, it would probably only be a year. And then, um, you know, like Robbie said, you know, with Peter is more he's played last season because of injuries, and then even this season, um, you know, I think once everyone's fit and everyone's firing, he doesn't make that starting eleven. Mark. What are your mm. thoughts on those three players? Ryan's going Smith, Boyce, but not Haring. Yeah, I agree. Uh, listening back to Gary Mackay last week, saying that the player he most admires at the football club um, is Michael Smith, as far as just being a team player and helping and everything like that. I, I think you can go down the road of getting rid of, of too much experience. Now, we're not saying Michael Smith's going to start every game, and again, Ryan has just explained it very well. Incentivized contracts are, are the way ahead for, for those that are 30-something. Haring's an interesting one because we've got Keo now, who's under contract till 2025. He's just signed a, a three-year deal. We've got Cami Devlin, Benny Benengami will be back. George Grant can play kind of a little bit deeper, although I prefer him a little bit further forward. So I agree with that, I just, I just think if if we're aiming for a certain level in, in Europe, we're aiming first of all to compete in Europe uh, on an annual basis. I don't know if the he tries so hard, Peter Haring, and I just don't know if the legs are there. He's gonna, he's going to turn thirty next summer, and and we're speaking about two others that are older than him. Uh, again, it, it might be one of those if he stays, it's on our terms, not his. I think he signed that 12-month contract. Boyce I'd keep. I love Liam Boyce. Um, and I think we might not have missed him in the last couple of games, but I think over the piece, we certainly will. 
and and Michael Smith totally agree with that. He he'll keep himself in shape. He's he turns thirty five. Well, he's just turned thirty four. So I'm I'm all right with that. He's 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 he'll be good cover from next season. He's still a decent first team squad member. The other guys that I've got kind of out of contract. Um, Ross Stewart goes because they've they've signed Xander Clark. Um, the other ones I can see that aren't really um, first choice players. Gary McKay, Stephen, he goes for me. Um, Connor Smith again. You've, you can't just get rid of him if you don't give him opportunities. No, but he's got to show that he deserves the opportunities um, when he gets the the, the chance um, and, and and doing it for the. <clears throat> now, can he play for if he plays a certain number of B games? How does that work, Laurie, with regards to appearing for Stephen Naismith's team a certain number of times? Does that if you then appear for the first team on X number of appearances, does that then stop you from appearing for the B team? Or how's that work? Um honestly, not I read something. I read um, something. I think <laughs> it's games. Right. What was that, Robert? Uh, I think it's uh, five games for the B team, and then after the five, that's uh, they can't play for the B team from there. I heard, I heard something like that. Okay. So I don't know what that is, but he's got to take, take some notes for for commentary. Yeah. Thank you, Robbie. Thank Just, you, Mark. <laughs> Josh Ginelli, Ewan Henderson, Snodgrass. I mean, that depends. He can't make a decision just now. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah kind of met... in my my second group were the ones where I would just be. They're not first teamers just now. Mackay, Stephen, Janelli, Snodgrass, Henderson, Stewart, yeah. for me, are all just a no, to be honest. And Snodgrass, not because, you know, he could have a good season, but he's 35 already. I don't think, I think Snodgrass is a short-term deal. Yeah, because, we're looking for the future. Because we didn't have many options and he was available on a free, which is fine. He might have a he might have a really good input this season. Um, uh, Connor Smith and Finlay Pollock, I agree with Robbie on those. Uh, I think Finlay Pollock, yeah. he's on, only just turned 18. We need to get him on a few years. He's shown enough promise I think that we want to develop that Connor Smith I like what I've seen from him and he seems to have really bulked up um, so I know sometimes when the younger players come through I think Harry Cochran often had that he just often didn't have the physique to go with what was some quite good technical ability so I like the look of Connor Smith it will depend on how he does this season I suppose because he's 21 now it's not like Pollock where you're investing in a few years you know you, you probably want to see something from him this season um, I think Stephen Humphreys is a kind of grey area because he's a he's alone. Um, it's up at the end of the season. He is contracted until Wig till twenty twenty four with Wigan, but it really depends on how he does. I think um, Scott, would you would you disagree with with any of the views on some of the first team players there? I think on the three that were were mentioned at the start by yourself, Laurie, I think there's a few things or a few variables that. Some are hearts are in control of and some aren't. I'm pretty sure Haran's got a one year, but he's also got the option of an additional one. And it'll be interesting to know whether that's triggered by X amount of games or triggered by him and the club needing to accept the terms. So I'm not quite sure what would happen with regards to that one. Michael Smith, I don't know, he always looks like he's he's needing surgery or some sort of work there where he's back. He seems to still be having issues with that. Whether he can still offer something in a year's time, I don't know. And Boyce, I like Boyce, but when we signed him in 2020, he probably would have came into the club as one, if not the highest earner, given what he would have been getting at Burton at the time. So again, it would need to be probably looking at reduced terms, given the age you'll be at, at that stage. But I think as long as we've achieved group stage football again with Europe next season, I think all three could do a job. 
when you've got that sort of heavy schedule. But if we didn't have the the lure of the group football, then I think there would maybe be an argument for letting all three go. Okay, that's fair. Um, Robbie, you also wanted to mention, um, not got a, a whole lot of time, but I want to quickly ask you about um, fans and the atmosphere at Tynecastle. You wanted to ask about something related to that. Yeah, I was going to say, what we're going to say uh, for fans is we're going around Europe and you're seeing these ultra groups and you're seeing these massive displays and you're seeing everything else that's coming there. It seems like Tynecastle, the last few months at home, it's like there's some points in the game but you get this atmosphere from everyone and then you suddenly big dip and you, you're winning like maybe like 3-0 and nothing's getting song. You're trying your best. You hear from upper G to lower end to upper end. It seems all sporadic and all around everywhere in these wee corners and all of it. I was wondering if you think it was a good idea to have at least a singing section or somewhere that everyone could just be placed, can sing and have the heart out because this atmosphere for Europe, you, you look at the other teams around and you're thinking to yourself, like, even Riga had a wee small singing section. Like, it looks good for for us yeah. if we have something like that. Laurie, back in March 2018, there's an article on the Hearts website, and I don't know what happened to this, maybe you know. It says, new singing section will trial at Tynecastle Park from start of next season. Heart Midlothian Football Club was approached by a group of enthusiastic supporters keen to create a singing section at Tynecastle Park. After a number of positive meetings, the club is pleased to announce it will initiate a trial from the beginning of season 2018-19. Further details will be announced in due course, but the club can confirm the singing section will be located in the Roseburn Stand, Lower Section H. What happened to that? It was it was trialed, I think, wasn't it, Scott? Um, very briefly, if I remember. It was, yeah. I remember it being trialed for a handful of games because I remember they were pretty much all along the bottom rows, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't want to say the exact details, but it just there were some issues, uh, and I think it just didn't go much further than that. I, I, without going back and looking through, kind of uh, online information but what i want to say was it's certainly something say, i think there could be ownership issues when you bring in singing sections in the club almost have to announce it because yeah. then it becomes the issue of if there's trouble who takes ownership of that considering well, the number of partners and sponsors that the club currently have that they need to appease to uh i know robert made a, a good point about what he's probably seen in europe this year but i do think in britain there's probably more diversity within football crowds I think the ideology football crowds abroad can be quite singular and it's probably quite easier yeah. to get a group of fans singing for the same hymn sheet. And unfortunately, with Hearts fans, there is a few surface level issues that yeah. split the fan base on occasion. Hence, I mean, you look at the minute's silence the other week there during the during yeah. the last game against Istanbul. You know, even that, there's there's, there's those surface level issues that, that those types of situations can sort of flare up so I think it's very difficult to come up with a singing section Celtic have obviously done it but even if you speak to Celtic fans the onus is now on that singing section so unless they're yeah. playing in a really high profile match all you'll hear is the same 2,000 fans singing throughout there's no really any connection to the rest of the stadium and I think we already have that in two stands we've got section G and we've got section N so I'm not quite sure how much value enhancing on that would actually have it is on the agenda i would say robbie um and 
I think Stuart Craig, who's now the supporter liaison and community outreach officer, I think that'll be useful to have him around. I think you've, you guys have probably seen him quite active on Twitter already. He gave some really handy information to fans traveling to Riga. I think he's looking to compile similar sorts of information for the trip to Florence. I've had a bit of communication with him, um, but I know it's certainly on the agenda. That's not to say it's going to happen. I just know it's something that has been talked about. I've been in some meetings where it's been talked about. It won't be something obviously I'm directly involved in making the final decision on, but I know it's been talked about. And I think you're right, Scott. One of the big things you need to work out is who's overseeing that, who's responsible, because there needs to be a link, um, I think, between the supporters who may be involved um, and someone who's got some ownership over it to make sure, um, you know, the songs they're singing are are avoiding certain things. They're not going to get the club in trouble. They're not going to get supporters in trouble. And I guess behaviour-wise, you know, it's going to be a bit boisterous, obviously. It's a singing section. It's not, It's not, you know, let's not get a beat around the bush. It's obviously going to get a little bit more passionate than other sections, but it's just making sure people don't cross a line. So I think that's maybe the main things, because obviously it has to go through security, stadium security, you have to make sure they're okay with it. So um, it is on the agenda though, Robbie, I know that, albeit I won't be the one who makes a decision on it. But I think, I agree, I think it would be good, but I also think Scott highlights some some challenges that will have to be faced as well. Robbie, thank you very much for joining us. How was it being the first caller on Scarves Round the Funnel? To, to be fair, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought it would be worse when I, when I had to <laughs> up for it. Ho- hopefully that's what listeners think when they listen. You know, it wasn't actually as bad as I thought it would be, Scarves yeah. Round the Funnel. <laughs> it's just like just chatting to all Hearts fans, all different opinions. That's all you're hearing. That's all we are in the end. That's all we are, Robbie. That's all we are. But um, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. And we'll maybe Thanks, get you Robbie. on again in the future. Cool. See you. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers Robbie. Robbie. Bye. Okay. Next up, we have we have two callers. So we've gone. We've, we've doubled the amount of callers. Um, we've got Alex and Cameron, who are uh, checking my notes. Brothers, is that right, Alex or Cameron? Yes, we are brothers. Alex Cameron, you're joined by myself, Laurie. We've got Mark, we've got Ryan McGowan, and we've also got Scott McIntosh on as well. Alex um, Cameron and Laurie, before your time, used to be a reporter, a journalist. Oh, here, don't go on a tangent. Oh. It's, not a, it's not a tangent. We've got Alex and we've got Cameron. Yes. So you said <laughs> Alex Cameron. And he used to he used to have exclusives, but he used to put them in an envelope, in a drawer, oh. in his desk. There you go. Have it okay. for free. Everyone, all six Bye. of you, you them. Laurie, edit that out. <laughs> Don't edit that out. That's the best part of this. Uh, right, okay, I'll start with, with Alex. Um, what would you like to discuss on Scarves Around the Funnel? Cam and I had like a quick sync before, before we joined, and I think the main thing we wanted to discuss was where our heart's going to be in five years' time on the pitch, because we hear, like post-Romano, we've heard about all these off-the-pitch plans, always. Yeah. But where are we going to be on the pitch? Because I'm so bored of Scottish football where it's the narrative of one team qualifies for Europe and then is terrible the following season and doesn't qualify. So then it's an Aberdeen who qualify and then it's just rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. No one has sustainable success outside the old firm. So are we going to change it or, or not? Mm. Well, what why question. don't... Well, why don't we why do, why don't we start with Cameron? 
<laughs> Cameron, what do you think? Will will we change it? Will Hearts change that? Cheers, cheers for that, Laurie. Right in the deep end. <laughs> You're um, you rehearsed your answer to me about five minutes ago. I did, <laughs> but you know, as soon as you get on this, it kind of flies out your head. Um, <laughs> I think in five years' time, we're wanting to be challenging for the title, aren't we? I mean, I want to be challenging for the title in five days time but um it's not even five, yeah, but it's, no, it's five days that was that worked quite well <laughs> well we know that's you, the difference i mean how do you challenge for a title if you're not on champions league money if rangers and celtic yeah. with their resources right now which are miles ahead of, of of us they can afford to pay six seven eight nine maybe even ten times what our top earner is on so how how can we compete on a a regular basis if Europa League is probably the glass ceiling for us. What do I don't we think we'll ever do? be able to on a regular basis, to be fair. I think I think realistically, and Robbie's spoken about it, we need to close the gap as best we can. And if and when a season happens that Rangers and Celtic underperform, because let's be honest, if Rangers and Celtic perform at the level they can with the money they have available, we can't realistically ever get to that point. But I think if we keep get ourselves closer, then we can be there to take advantage when that happens but a sustained challenge uh, you know become a big three like we dreamt of under Romanov like Alex says I I just think it's a pipe dream with without you know without ridiculous money being thrown at it but the model of the club now won't get to that point albeit unless another buyer comes along and we can get enough of the enough of the foundation members to to vote it in I don't know if we're I, if I, we're if we're selling our 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 TV rights without even putting it up to oh, oh, no, but but this well he didn't read the whole episode to speak about the TV. No, rights. I know, but I think this is pertinent, and it's what Alex and, and and Cameron have brought up. I think it's pertinent. I I think it's it's a lot harder for a club like Hearts or for Aberdeen or for Hibernian or or whoever um, to try and challenge the old firm if we get. A lot more money, but everyone else gets a lot more money. Then it's up to us if we screw up how to pay it or how to spend it. Sorry, um, the problem you've got now. I, I think the governance of Scottish football is a hindrance to the rest of Scottish football making Scottish football more competitive. There's a lot more into it, but I think that's one of the problems. Yes, I, I no? think I think they make a good point in terms of you need to make sure this season you're back into Europe. Because if you can do that on, yeah. say, three seasons in a row, four seasons in a row, you might not get closer to Celtic and Rangers, but you'll move that gap between Hearts, the Aberdeen, Hibs, Spot, everyone yeah. at Dundee United, whoever that, else. That's the game changer, Ryan, isn't it? So I think in five years' time, yeah, five years, <laughs> five years' time, you want to be in a position where you're not that worried about the teams below you, that you're fully focused, you're getting players in with the view of challenging those two, but without actually having to worry too much about what's behind you. I think it's th that's what the next target is in the next three, four, five years' time, is to make that gap between... that You can ask anyone in Scottish football who's the third biggest club, and everyone says Hearts. And everyone says, yeah, because they've been in uh, you know, the Europa League and the Conference League for the last three, four years running, and they're getting a tons of money, and they're able to then go get those loan players from down south and they're able to pickpocket you know like what you say mark go pick you know dundee united strikers scored 15 goals hearts get yeah. them straight away bang strength and us that's, 
that's how I see the next five years for Hearts. If they want to get anywhere close to Celtic and Rangers, the initial target is they have to get as far away from the rest of them before they can even then start looking up. And I think Robbie and the club at the moment, that's what they're building towards. I but think it also comes down to recruitment. Yeah. yeah, 100%. It comes down to recruitment as well. On getting those right players, the hungry players, the ones that are going to be like, no fear. You know, we want to be those team that's challenging. We want to be doing well for Hearts in Europe because if we're doing that and we're getting on the international scene, then Hearts can then sell them for three, four, five million. And Hearts can then hold out for those higher, you know, transfer fees because years gone by, they'll just say, highest offer, off you go. They didn't have any power to be like, well, do you know what? Someone down south is only offering you two million. We can probably give you much better wages and we're going to put a five million price tag on your head. Everyone's like, yeah, happy. I'm playing week in, week out. I've got my international recognition. I'm playing in Europa League. If I keep playing the way I'm playing, clubs will then come in and spend that four, five, seven million on them. So I think that's what the next sort of three to five years should look like for a, a club like Hearts. Now, having a lot of money is one thing. Being able to spend it and spend it wisely is another thing. Now, we can look at the last two games, right? Excellent results in Riga and at Motherwell. And the feel-good factor's back. It, it kind of negates all the, right, we're out the League Cup, um, we're out various other competitions, or we're, we had all these defeats. So there is a feel-good factor right now. But I think it is pertinent. I want to get Scott in on this in just a second. I, is, I think it is pertinent to, to mention there are one or two things that I, I still feel that the club could do better. Now, they've had a lot of time to prepare for, for this European um, jaunt. They knew they were going to get four away games. I think it's very disappointing that they only had one uh, away trip up for, oh, gauging interest. Does anybody want to, to kind of come with us to Turkey? So you, you click on the link and you find it's nearly a grand. So I think they, I think they read the room wrong there. Now, I, the, the Switzerland game was different because that happened pretty quickly and logistically that was a nightmare. But then you had the group stage game. Riga was the first trip. Then we've got Florence coming up. We've got Istanbul as well. Could they not have done something like um, supplemented the cost of a trip to Istanbul? Because Hearts fans put so much money into that football club and then to be asked for nearly a grand to go to Istanbul. So I think they read the room wrong there. And I think a lot of them have maybe been caught a little bit short with a few things um, that's going on behind the scenes that I, I don't I don't know specifics, but that Istanbul thing kind of just left a bad feeling in the mouth. But that's just a small thing. Scott, you wanted to say something? Yeah, first of all, I was just going to say it's, it's good to hear Cameron and, and Alex come on. And they've obviously got a lot of optimism regarding how the club's getting on just now. Otherwise, they wouldn't be asking that question. I think in terms of what would need to happen, I think it's twofold. And again, a lot of it needs to be things that happen out with what the club can influence. So if you look at Celtic and Rangers, they have to take their eye off the ball. If you think back to when that last happened, you're probably looking at a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity when Rangers are in the lower leagues. Celtic decide to bring in Ronnie Dyla, who was pretty untested at that stage. And Aberdeen had a really good opportunity to sort of push them that season, especially in his second season at the club. If you think back to the last time Hearts were properly in a title run back in 97-98, one of the reasons that we were able to assemble a squad that could build up that consistency in terms of beating all the teams below us was due to the fact that we could snap up the best Scottish talent. So we could 
sign Colin Cameron, we could sign David Weir, we could sign Neil McCann. The problem with that nowadays is that there's so much money in the English Championship and even in League One that a Colin Cameron or a David Weir or a Neil McCann would just bypass the Scottish League altogether now. And they would leave Dundee and Rafe and Falkirk and they would immediately go down to the Championship. So I think there's there's things that need to change out with our club down south in terms of how the money's distributed and also up here in terms of, you know, how complacent would the old firm get? Because I'm afraid unless those sorts of things change, it is going to be difficult for us to kind of get past that. I think we could definitely put ourselves in a position where we become more consistent against the other teams and then that allows us to put pressure on Rangers and Celtic to get results when we when we meet them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be difficult. But like I said at the start, it's good to hear fans talk about that because that probably means that specifically over the last couple of seasons, the clubs have made great strides to get a bit more sort of enthusiasm and sort of trust from the support again. Alex Cameron, before we let you go, I guess I'll have to ask you the question really then. Alex, where do you think Hearts will be in five years' time? So 2027, where will Hearts be at the start of that season? like to think second in the league. We'll finish. Like at some point in the next five years, you need to aspire at some point of splitting mm-hmm. them. Like I know I, I agree with everybody's points in the sense of that we are probably going to have to rely on one of the old firm having a bit of an off season, but it does happen. Like the, when we split the old firm in 05 06, I think we can all agree that that Rangers team were a bit subpar under Le Guin. Yeah. Like they made some pretty poor signings. But I guess like the catalyst behind the question that Cam and I kind of came up with was for probably the first time in living memory, hearts are in a strong position off the pitch and stable. It's not just money being chucked at it. Yeah. And you've got a good kind of workings behind the scenes. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Joe Savage in the last year of his contract? That's a good question. Because um, I, I don't know if I've read it somewhere, but he's somebody you'd want to be looking to tie down long term. And I don't... Yeah, I, I'm I don't not actually entirely sure. I'd have to double check that. I can't remember what his contract was. But yeah, I know I agree that maybe someone would want to to keep long-term, especially if we're building a, a long-term strategy. You don't want to be changing those sorts of positions. When you're a kind of what, if you're in a knee-jerk situation, you're just going to end up like Aberdeen, like Hibs, stalling progress. And in a worst-case scenario, I just saw that yeah. Watt sacked their manager again. Like, <laughs> yes. An absolute shambles, like when, it's, when it kind of becomes like that. You need stability. But yeah, I do agree. Like, maybe it is a bit of a pipeline dream, but why the heck not? If Joe Savage is coming out and fueling the fans by saying he wants us to win the, th- the league at some point, why the hell not maybe have a bit of a pipeline dream and go for it? But yeah, there's a lot of factors, obviously, in the way. And even like what was interesting was with kind of having like Ryan on the call, I guess a follow-up question almost is, what, was it, what would it be like on the inside, Ryan, I guess, when it's a team like Hearts who have just qualified for Europe? And what would you be pushing for? Because I know when we last qualified for Europe after winning the Scottish Cup, we lost two key players in black and Skatchel. And that kind of hindered the team going forward a little bit. But what was the narrative? I think it's totally different situations from the both. You, you mentioned the Joe Savage interview that I think almost every Hearts fan would have seen. And that's what you need from behind the scenes. You need people to be like 
okay, it doesn't matter if we sell one or two players because you know that the club's going to bring in three or four quality players that would, what would they believe are better than the ones that have left. So if you've got that sort of behind the scene and you've, you're selling players the we want to split Celtic and Rangers and we want to win the league, that leaves you as a player with no, you know, no questions about where you need to be as a club. So then your standards lift, everything lifts. Whereas, you know, sort of like you said, after the cup final um, that I scored in, I don't know if any of you have seen it, um, in 2012. I've never bothered to watch it. <laughs> I knew Laurie would like that one, but um, that was more You're of not a on situation the bench. Uh, I could have been for the last 30 minutes. We could have only had seven players <laughs> was out it, Was there, it not Dylan McGowan who played in? I can't remember. No, he lost his cup final. But um, so when we were out in the um, that the following season, it was more of a case of will this club actually even be a club in a couple of months? It was almost every man for themselves. We had, you know, as a, a player myself, I had David Sutherland coming to me saying in January, high speed, you're off. You know, that there's there was no question about that. You know, temps the same when he went to Rangers was a case of you're going to have to go because we need that money. Whereas just now, they don't have that situation. If someone came in for Barry Mackay for a million pounds, Hearts wouldn't even open the email. There's, yeah. there's no question that he wouldn't leave. So when players and fans and that see that type of thing happening, then everyone's pushing in the right direction. And like you said, it's the first time in a long, long time that I feel that Hearts fans don't have any questions or queries about how the club's being run or how things are going. It's more a case of, performances on the pitch and you know as a player that's just what you want to have you want to be judged by what happens on the pitch and um yeah I, I have a really good feeling that it's an interesting question about joe savage because that would be one of the ones that before any players i would want to get signed up on a a long-term deal because you know i think you, you'd struggle to find anyone that he's brought in that you felt hasn't been up to the standard and if you can keep doing that continuously over you know three or four years while investing money while getting more money in because of you know making Europe and cup finals then there's no reason why that you know pipeline dream of of splitting Celtic and Rangers couldn't become a reality very soon right I'm gonna we're gonna have to move on quite quickly because we do have some other callers waiting but Cameron before we go so Alex reckons second place in five years time where do you think we'll be in 2027 uh, yeah, so I want to say, maybe not second place, but definitely consistent top three. I mean, the reason I kind of said challenging for the title is because I think I'm I'm usually pretty optimistic about Hearts. And when Joe Savage said that, I think there was quite a few people just maybe laughed it off. That, you know, that is a big dream. But I think we need to have that as a target. And Scott highlighted a good couple of points, like maybe about the power of the championship. Um, mm-hmm. We had someone, you know, we had Ellis Sims over the summer um, that we, you know, we, we didn't have enough financial kind of power to keep him. I think he would have been a great, you know, acquisition to have. Um, the time he, was, time he was asked, he was, you know, he just kind of bullied defences. Yeah. And that was a kind of player we, we really wanted to have. And then Scott also mentioned, like, improving kind of consistency against, you know, other clubs, especially away from home. Like, I think, you know, for instance, like for example, like the record against St. Johnston away is absolutely terrible. And we just can't seem to get a win in the league against them. I don't know how many years we haven't had a, a win in the league against them, but, you know, it's not great. And then we also need to, 
again, even away to Celtic as well, we are pretty poor. And then I'm not sure if this is just optimism or delusion or if it's through maroon-tinted specs, but we've, we've historically had some horrendous refereeing decisions go against us, against Rangers and Celtic, especially maybe away from home. Like he, the Kyogo goal against us, that won one nil. I mean, I would say that would be given offside if VAR was in. Um, we played the Rangers last season, and the guy, I don't know who it was, who grabbed Kingsley around the throat. That might go to VAR. And then the one that another one that I just thought of there was when John Guidetti dived against us at Pinecastle to win that penalty. I mean, maybe I'm thinking VER might help us in some situations against the old firm, might get us some results. Um, and hopefully kind of, you know, we need to just, that one season where we start well, like we have maybe, was it 2018, 2019, and a couple of other seasons where we've kind of started well and then suddenly one result and, you know, they say like, you know, our bubbles burst and we suddenly kind of have an absolute nightmare later on. So we kind of need to get, a good start to the season, one season, and just hopefully, you know, keep that keep that momentum going. Get a, you know a couple of lucky results um, during that season, grind out wins, and you never know where we could go. Okay, I appreciate that. So um, maybe winning the title in five years, I think we'll go with that. Um, we're going to yeah. have to move on, Alex Cameron. But thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time. Cheers. Cheers. Appreciate it as well. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, Max. Bye. Bye. Thanks, boys. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. You're listening to Scarves Round the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Okay, next up we are joined by Graham. Um, apologies for keeping you waiting there, Graham. Thanks for your patience. Ryan McGowan was just reminiscing about a certain cup final again. You are joined by myself, Laurie Dunsire, by Ryan McGowan, by Mark Donaldson and by Scott Macintosh. Um, how are you doing, Graham? I'm good, mate. It's great to be with you guys and the legend, Mr. McGowan. And yes, I've reminisced plenty about that game, trust me. <laughs> ah, what a man. What a, I like you already. Although I, although I would have to say what my one regret was, I got offered a chance after the cup final to come back to Gorgie for the after party and I turned it down because I had other plans and I'm still gutted about that to this day. What was the after party like, Ryan? Go on then. Do you remember it? Uh, not overly, but I'm sure I had a really good time from what I remember. <laughs> what was what was your what was your excuse for not going to the after party? Do you know what? It's a poor excuse. I had a I had friends coming back after the game, um, and I will admit they were Hibs fans, so I couldn't miss a chance to rub it in, or I would have come mm. back to Gorgie. It's fair. It's not too bad, but still missed a good party. And my mate was there. He told me about. I was gutted, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Graham. Uh, what would you like to discuss with uh, with Ryan or me or with, with the group as a whole? It's really about all the new signings, to be honest. Um, I made the fatal mistake of going on social media after we got beat by Livingston a few weeks ago. And it was Stephen Humphrey's debut. And 
it didn't go well. And all you see is uh, Humphreys was terrible. The new signings have been quantity over quality, which I don't agree with. Personally, I think all the signings we made in the summer have all offered something. And I think for me, it was one of our better transfer windows for a number of years. Listen, as a Hearts fan, we all know that a lot of our signings over the years have been really poor. But I think this summer has been one of the best we've had for a while. And I just wonder what your guys' thoughts were on the new signings in particular. Scott, um, we'll start with you. What do you make of the Hearts transfer business for this season so far? Yeah, I wish I could uh, sort of promise Graham that history won't get rewritten every week depending on what a result is. But I'm afraid that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to the social media, I'm afraid. So you will go for result to result, probably being told that the transfer window is either the best or the worst that we've had in the last sort of 10, 15 years. Uh, for myself personally, I think it's been a really good window. Uh, I can only think of maybe one or two additions that we could have brought in. Uh, I think another option at right back and another option up front I would have liked to have seen. But I think a lot of the... A lot of the hysteria was caused by a very tough sort of schedule that involved a few European games, trips to the likes of you know Livingston and Parkhead, which historically aren't exactly great hunting grounds for us in the first place, and the the lack of sort of awareness that you, you can still bring in free transfers. And I think sort of beefing up the squad with Xander Clark and Robert Snodgrass has definitely maybe helped you know, swing that pendulum in terms of the fans' view on on, this, on the summer as a whole. But for me personally, it was a really solid transfer window that looks like they have went for quality over quantity. Uh, I think Keo is a good example of biding your time, being patient. They've obviously had their eye on him for a number of months. There was then issues getting his visa over the line. But rather than, you know, sign somebody short term uh, and maybe go for a second or third choice, they decided to sort of weigh it out. And I think that's probably going to prove to be a quite an astute signing. Uh, but if you if you were to ask fans which positions did you want to either enhance or in terms of quality or quantity just prior to sort of July, August, I think most of those positions have been, you know, have have, have been looked after and have been have been mm-hmm. dealt with. Uh, like I say, I, think, I would say striker's probably the main one, but that's probably more to do with Boyce's injury more than anything else. Yeah, Mark, I, yeah I, I was going to ask you, Mark, in terms of the signs that have come in, um, mm-hmm. any any gaps, do you think, any areas that Hearts maybe would have liked to have got someone else in or better quality, but maybe just time or whatever just worked against yeah. them? Oh, of course. When you are a selling club or a club that hearts are interested in your player and it's getting counting down to the last few hours of the transfer window, uh, you, you know that um, it's it's a seller's market. And we, who knows if we'll ever find out which players hearts were going for, not just on the final 24 hours, because everyone's looking at that and going, oh, it was a shit final day and they did their... It, well, it's, it's nothing to do with the final day. It's, it's as a whole. Let's look at the players they signed. Lawrence Shankland. Excellent star. He's done well. He's scored goals. And we paid a decent amount for him. But he's lived up to the task so far. Orestes Kiermertzoglu. Again, small sample size. Looks a good addition at the good age of 24. Alan Forrest has been excellent. Super. Free transfer from Livingston. Xander Clark, he'll be the the, the eventual Craig Gordon replacement, you would think. Lewis Nielsen. <laughs> the early signs are really good there. As they are with Kai Rolls. So we haven't had a failure yet, and that's number six. 
Alex Cochran, signing him on a permanent deal. Excellent bit of business. George Grant, really good. Stephen Humphreys, don't know yet. Robert Snodgrass, don't know yet. Best bit of business was letting Versailles get Loic Demore. So we don't have to pay him any more money. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, of course, there's going to be other players that they wanted to get. Of course, there's going to be positions that they wanted to get strengthened. But I think it's it's been a really good transfer window so far. Ultimately, that's a question for the end of the season. How did they all do? Was it a good transfer window or not? Right now, it seems it was pretty decent. Graham, are you happy with the business? Do you think anything you would have liked to see improved upon in terms of our transfers this summer? To be honest, anything I thought played on Melody Martin and Luke Demur, but no, I've been delighted, genuinely. I was really excited when we got Lauren Shanklin. He's the one I really wanted. He's mm-hmm. probably, he's, I mean, we've had a lot of good strikers in the past, don't get me wrong, but he's probably the first penalty block striker I can remember for a long time since Robbo, and that's a long time ago. Just yeah. to get to, The one thing I like about Shanklin is his first thought when he gets the ball is to have a shot at goal. Now, even against Motherwell last week or the week before, you know, he gets the goal, but even then before that, there was a chance to the box that came to me. He just had a shot. I didn't mind that. So that's what I like. And the one that's most exciting at the moment is Lewis Nielsen. I mean, for a 19-year-old, his composure on the ball, his willingness to bring the ball out for the back, I think he's going to be a star. And generally, I think he can make us a lot of money. But all of them have been great. You know, Alec Cochran's come back and done a great job. It's just been a... I think it's been a really good transfer window. And I think Rob Nielsen gets a lot of stick, which... At the moment, he certainly doesn't deserve. And I think him and Joe Savage have signed very, very well. And I think Keogh could be a really good addition. I do agree. I think another striker would be great. I don't know if in January we'll look to maybe try and bring that South Korean boy or Japanese boy over. But I think that's the only position I think we might be lacking a little bit without Liam Boyce. Well, that's very fair. I think so far on paper, it looks to be a good window. And no one could have predicted that Liam Boyce would have ended up with you know, such a serious injury. Um, so yeah, hopefully a bit of business in January will top things up and we can use all that um to have a very positive season. But uh, listen, Graham, thank you very much for coming on. We have got some others waiting, so we're gonna get to them, but I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Cheers, boys, thank you. Okay, next up on Scarves Around the Funnel, no idle talk, we have Liam. Uh, Liam, you're joined by myself, Laurie Dunsire, by Mark Donaldson, Ryan McGowan, and Scott McIntosh. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing, guys? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good. Good Very well, thanks, mate. Liam, uh, what would you like to discuss with us today? Um, I would like to discuss just my opinion that I think that Cami Devlin might be the next player to leave Hearts for a substantial amount of money. Mm. Okay, we've got uh, we've got Kevin Kyle on the line now. Kevin, what's your <laughs> thoughts on Cami Devlin? <laughs> um, okay, what what makes you say that, Liam? Um, so similar to something that Mark touched upon a couple of episodes ago, where timing seems to be everything in football. Um, I think Devlin's just came back from an injury in the summer, felt like he was a little bit slow to get going, but he's slowly starting to get back to where he was last season after a brilliant first season at the club. Um, In Europe, I thought the the game against Zurich, first half until the red card, I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. Um, Again, the RFS game, a little bit erratic at times, the team, but kind of gave us that drive towards the end to get us a second goal to break away um, and I just think what a lot of the things that he does for the team really can't be you, you can't 
what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, it goes a little bit understated. I know the fans do really yeah. like him, but you do hear people like Kevin Kyle saying that they don't fancy him as a football player. Every team needs a player like that, especially in the middle of the park. Um, and uh, yeah, with getting into the Socceroos squad, I think that's only going to give him a, a bit more of a spring in his step when he comes back. Um, and I just think that if you look across the rest of the team, some players have maybe had moves previously and they've came back to hearts like your Kingsley's, Mackay's. Um, I just think he's the next one to kind of probably, him and Cochrane is probably the closest to, but um, yeah, I think Devlin is going in the right direction to hopefully make the club a bit of money. Not that I'm trying to get rid of him, but <laughs> um yeah, I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that, and particularly um, Ryan, just with the Socceroos inclusion. If he thinks yeah. that that'll get a bit more attention on him. Yeah, I was going no, to put that sure. one too, Ryan, because yeah. I know <clears throat> Ryan was, I know from messaging earlier, you were delighted with Cami getting his first cap. Of course, congratulations to Cami on getting that cap against New Zealand in their last game. Um, so, yeah, the, the floor is yours, Mr. McGowan. Yeah, you know, I think Cammy's done really well this season, bar maybe, you know, the second half against St. Johnson at home where he was bullied a little bit by the St. Johnson midfield. But other than that, he's done... <laughs> oh, done who would well. that be? <laughs> Remind me. Remind me again. Oh, mm. Always got to drop in. What happened here? Ryan, what happened to messaging us on um, the last game day? I'm playing midfield today, boys. Get on me to score. It's going to be great. Be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forward for a corner and then headed it nearer the corner flag than the goal. No Cheers time. No, no, no. Hey, no, I no, will right. score this season. I'll score at some point this season. Yeah, but it's going to cost us a fortune. We're going to have to make our money back when you when we get on you at 33 to 1. Come on, son, <laughs> do better. I should say, um, but no, I, I do not gamble I on, on Ryan McGowan scoring goals. There you go. <laughs> anyway, back to Cammy Devlin. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I, I totally agree. Um, I think, you know, for the timing of his run, you know, towards the sort of Socceroos couldn't come at a better opportunity. Um, I think I said to Mark and the boys earlier, I really wanted him to start the second game. I think he deserves to start, you know, obviously having a bit of a more inside knowledge. You know, he's playing at a more competitive level and at a higher level than, you know, some of the players that are so-called ahead of him. Um, and I think, you know, this next month will be huge if he can stay um, free of injuries and continue to play. I think he's a real push for, you know, getting into not only that the World Cup squad, which I'm 99% sure he will be in, but getting in that starting 11. And, you know, World Cups are strange things. If he goes there and plays, you know, three games, does well in those three games, then all of a sudden, um, you know, you've got hearts have a player that's done really well at a World Cup against, you know, France and whoever else they get to play against. And, like you said, you know, that's when the big money comes rolling in and, you know, international recognition, you know, he's now is an international footballer, um, which adds a, you know, a little bit more onto your, your asking price. But, um, yeah, I think everyone always has different opinions, but, uh, you know, I've not met a Hearts fan that doesn't like him or doesn't think that what he brings to the Hearts team, you know, you, it's a totally not, different team. You're not reading team. Twitter enough then. <laughs> no, it's a totally different team when he's not in it. And no, I it, yeah, again, it's one of those ones that, you know, when he doesn't play, you'll maybe miss this sort of, you know, the headless chicken or he just runs around. Well, that, that is part of football. You're only on the ball, I think, for two minutes of the game, you know, if you're lucky. So 
a major part of football these days is getting around the pitch and winning the ball back. And that's what Cammy does really, really well. Of course, he could be a little bit tidier on the ball. But again, if he was tidier on the ball and you know could split passes and, and do the things that Barry Mackay can do, then he probably wouldn't be at heart. So you know, there that, that has to be a little bit of realisation. You know, he's not played a, a huge amount of you know, first-team football. He's just come across halfway around the world and it's his you know, second full season. So you know, I think Hearts as a club, he's way ahead of where they thought he would be at this you know, same point. And um, you know, knowing Cammy on a personal level, um, you know, he's got all the right temperament, all the, the, the right attitude, the right work rate, the right family behind him. To, you know, he won't rest on his laurels and, and he'll be really hoping that you know, the next couple of months will be a really good one in terms of you know, not only playing well at Hearts, but um, you know, an eye on that World Cup and everything that brings with you know, being involved in the World Cup does. One of the things I I think is very telling with with Cammy Devlin, and I don't know if this is maybe partly why you're thinking he'll be, a, you know, a player that will get snapped up. Liam is he doesn't doesn't really seem to matter the level he's playing at. He seems to still be as effective at what he does, and I think it was even in the game that we were obviously convincingly beaten by Istanbul Bashakcha here. I think you saw Europa Conference League posted, and Cami Devlin still made it into one of the top top tacklers. Um, of that week's uh, matches and played against Zurich uh, was one of the best performers for Hearts, possibly the best Hearts performer of the night. Doesn't seem to matter when he goes up a level, he still seems to be as effective at the best things in his game which is obviously his energy, closing down space, making tackles. I think that's where there might be an interest maybe from my view that, oh well, he's just stepping up a level, he's done the A-League, he's come to the Premiership, he's now played in Europe and he's still just as effective. Yeah. I would I would totally agree. Um and like you're saying that what some people perceive as running around a headless chicken, like Ryan says, you don't have the ball very often in a game. And last season I think nobody made more ball recoveries in the opposition half than Cammy Devlin in the whole league. So uh, he's obviously yeah. done something right. And and that's you you know, people look at you know, you want to win the this like high press in the pressing game. You need players that can get around the pitch to to start to do that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of Barry Mackay or Tommy, like for an Australian point of view, Tommy Rogic or Aiden Rustic, you know, those types of players, they're probably not going to win you the ball. So you then need to have somebody in your team that is going to go and do that, is going to go win the ball and, and get it back so that those players that are maybe, you know, not defensively as astute can get on the ball. And, and that's what Cammy does you know, perfectly and um, yeah, I would I want to I want him to stay at Hearts until they get a really big offer. I would hate to see him go for a little, you know, two million, two point five. That is a lot of money. But you know, I think he's he's really bought into the club. He gets the vibe of it. He loves the fans. He loves playing here. You know, a bit similar to me. It was the first club over in Europe that give you that opportunity and that platform to go out and play and you have a real connection with that club you know because they've shown so much faith in you that that you want to repay that back and um you know he does have that in abundance and um i, I just really hope that he he just proper kicks on these next six seven eight months and you know come the end of the season hearts have done really well cammy's you know a, a starter for the socceroos played at a world cup and um you know he'll be batting off uh you know clubs from down south that are wanting to pay big big money for him 
Liam, um, before we let you go, we do have uh, another caller waiting. Um, so wh where do you envisage Cami going and how much do you think Hearts might get for him? Um, I think championship down in England is always a kind of good starting point. I don't think you're going to get many players going from Scottish Premiership to the English Premiership. But as we know, there's still quite a bit of money down there in that league, isn't there? So, um, yeah. yeah, kind of mid-table, ambitious club, maybe pushing for for the Premiership, for Premier League. Um, and like Ryan says, a, a couple of years ago, I think all of us fans kind of had the same kind of gripe that we felt a lot of good players were leaving for not necessarily what we thought they were worth due to contract situations or Hickey, a perfect example. Yeah. Um, and like Ryan says, I think if an offer came in for Devlin tomorrow for one and a half, two million, the, the club wouldn't accept it now. I think we're in a better position as well. So fingers crossed that yeah, we do we do hope to see something around the four or five figure mark. Who knows? Well, fingers crossed. That would certainly help uh, Joe Savage and Robbie Nielsen uh, kick hearts on to another level. Uh, thanks exactly. very much uh, for joining us, Liam. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thanks, Liam. Bye. Okay, next up on Scarves Around the Funnel, we are joined by Stephen. Uh, Stephen, uh, you are speaking to myself, Laurie. We've got Mark, we've got Ryan McGowan, and we've got Scott McIntosh on as well. I understand you wanted to have a chat about hearts and their brand and growing that internationally. I do. It's, guys, hello. It's, uh, God, it's lovely to be on. This is uh, such an honour. I'm a huge fan. I should say, how are you, Stephen? First, of all? <laughs> I'm jumping right in there with the question. It's okay. No, it's fine. Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. How are you all? Is everything everything going good? How is everyone today? Good. It's very good. well, thanks. It's oh, going very, well. Very I've well. I've only mentioned Ryan McGowan getting teams relegated. I think four times. Now. <laughs> uh, four times. Ryan McGowan. I've only mentioned my cup final goal three times. So we're good. We're good. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Then. That's okay. Then. But yeah, guys, yeah, I just wanted to talk about um, how, how we grow the Hearts brand um, internationally and basically just looking outside our current fan base. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a, a kind of different demographic of a fan. I've never been to a live match. I've never been to Tyne Castle to see Hearts play. I'm ashamed to say I've never done it. Um, I've, I've basically this is I've, a safe space, Stephen. Don't be I know, I know. I, I, so I've, I've basically digested hearts, been obsessed with hearts, um, completely through you know the the digital channels and uh, listening to Laurie's wonderful commentary and and l looking at the highlights on uh, Hearts TV and I like and, Stephen. <laughs> come on again. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> And then before that, it was um, obviously, you know, just, you know, newspapers, the odd game and things like that. So I, I've always kind of thought to myself, there must be fans out there that isn't just, there must be fans like me that are out there. But also there must be fans in, in other parts of the, the globe that would be interested in our club because we are such a unique, amazing club. Um, and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Um, and ask you guys if you've had any experiences or you know have any insight on um, clubs doing things like that, like international brand campaigns or sort of community work in other parts of the country, um, especially around the Scottish game. So just want to put that to you guys. I mean, certainly, Mark, this might be a good one for you. You're obviously based out in the States. You're the, yeah. you're the professional 
broadcaster <laughs> um, among us. So I'll I'll hand this one over to you. Yeah. Um Scottish football over here was with ESPN, now it's with CBS, but predominantly it's on their uh, their streaming service. So it's not easy to get. They do have the bigger games on the CBS Sports Network, but uh, again, it's unless you're a Scottish football fan, you're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. So how, I mean, for, first of all, Stephen, I think, and this is where I kind of, um, I, I don't throw it back to, to Laurie and, and Ryan and yourself, but how are Hearts doing in their own backyard mm-hmm. right now when it, when it comes to to that brand? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed from your, your Zoom um, kind of reference, it's Stephen Crichton Consultancy. Now, I don't know if that's a PR <laughs> brand or or whatever it is, but but if you're a, a consultant, surely you'll, you, you'll be well aware that get your own house in order to begin with, before you, it's like walk before you can run. And it seems like Hearts are doing a lot of good things at home right now. Yes. Yeah. But so at which stage does it become, okay, right now, if we've got that working and that's fine, that's self sustainable. Mark sounds like he's trying to buy time to get to a point now. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I, I don't, I'm just saying over here. I mean, look, I, I live not far from, from Boston and, and New York. I'm halfway between the two of them. Celtic's massive over here. That's why Celtic have been in the Northeast for, for, for loads and loads of occasions. Um, and, and because they're a brand and people know who they are, it's very difficult to, to get people to know about hearts. I find it intriguing that having not been to a game, you still have this kind of fanaticism about a football club. I suppose yes. over in this country, I suppose it's like, I mean, there's a lot of, I was in a bar yesterday watching the NFL. I'm a Dolphins fan. I've only yep. been to two Dolphins games in my life, but I'm really passionate about them, and I get them, but I watch from afar. But are they doing enough in Scotland, the Dolphins? You know what I mean? And and that's how it is. So is everything going the way they want it at home? And if so, then how do you go about putting it overseas? Because if no one's watching it on a weekly basis, how can you follow it unless you're a diehard? I mean, I would say... I would say the club do quite, and I'm obviously look. There's, I'm part of what Hearts put out there, um, especially when it comes to coverage, which includes international. So obviously, I, I think I'm they do well. Biased. I, I, I would be biased, but I think apart from anything, I mean, you look at what a lot of clubs have done after the pandemic. Loads of clubs have just dropped their their coverage because they can't do pay per view anymore. So loads Absolutely. of clubs have cut everything, so they don't do video even for international. Some of them don't do anything now um a lot of them have stripped things back so they don't do the same level of coverage because during the pandemic they were able their studio coverage they're kind of the extra expense that was put into replays and you know all these extra cameras they do cost quite a bit more money a lot of clubs have taken that away because now it's well it's, it's only the international audience so why bother because we can just charge people money to come into the games again what i would say hearts have, have stuck with that you know we've still got our studio set up so we still got guests in we still get raw posting certain games we can't because of sky and bt etc but that's out of hearts control so i think hearts have done quite well in that sense to, to keep that investment in you know hearts tv international to keep these international viewers able to to follow things and get a bit extra for their for their money um and you know there's a little thing how, how do you grow the brand it's inter- it's interesting because with certain countries it's about getting a hook and by that you're probably looking at things like japan south korea they yeah. often get fan bases that get interested in a certain club 
or a certain player, and that's how they think interest in a club. And we did it, to be fair, we did it um, when we signed a certain Japanese player. Mm-hmm. We created the Japanese website, and I quite like the idea. Like, don't get me wrong, we we got slagged for it um, a bit, and I can understand it because Hearts fans would have done the same thing if he signed a Japanese player, made a whole Japanese website, and he barely ever played, and then he he left, and we got relegated. I mean, exactly, it's it's prime slagging opportunity, but. I actually didn't mind the th- thought process behind we've targeted a player who on paper looks like a good signing, but also could let us tap into a market where there's interest. And they had Japanese media folk who were over at a lot of the games and they were reporting back to Japan on how he was doing. And maybe the th- part of that might be the thinking process behind the potential South Korean signing as well. Yes, yeah. of course, there'll be scouting done on him to see how good a player he is, what he can offer to the team on the pitch. But at the same time, if you can tie that into also maybe opening hearts up to um, a market there because Celtic have started maybe tying up the Japanese market a little bit, but there's not much in a way of South Korean players coming on. I know Celtic have global interests. We're never going to compete with that. But if we can get a little bit of a market like that, that could be interesting. Um, So I feel the club do a fair bit. um, And compared to a lot of them out there, I know, I don't know what, one thing I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, Stephen, I'm undecided on it. Hibs and Aberdeen are, and Dungeon United are into it as well. I know Ryan will be involved in one of the kickoffs, changing kickoff times to try and attract different audiences, mainly in the States. You know, they've got these Friday night games and the evening kickoffs, try and make it better for fans. They feel maybe it'll encourage more fans because it'll be the evening, but also it's out with that. Um, I think it's because of the broadcasting side of things. You can obviously get more coverage. So, I don't know how you feel about what they've been doing with kickoff times. I, I kind of, I kind of, it's it's more of a sort of trial and error, isn't it? They should, they should trial it and see if that actually does benefit their numbers. But I, I was actually coming, I was actually coming in on this at a different angle. I'm sorry, I should have maybe been a bit more clear. I think the, I think the marketing side and the media side of Hearts has improved dramatically, especially over the past few seasons. Yeah, um, and especially with like the live, because obviously I, I do all my. I, I, I watch everything from, from Hearts TV. So now we're even getting, you know, Rob in between the games at halftime doing talks with ex-pros and things like this. It's absolutely wonderful. And then we've got that. Is it is it Jalen Films or Yalen Films? I'm not sure if it's a Silent J or not. Jalen um, Films, yeah. Jordan yeah. Allen, yeah. The content that he's producing as well is just absolutely incredible. I was more thinking of um, hit, having an early impact. So with my, for, I use myself as an example. So I was... I was about 10, 11 years old when I first fell in love with Hearts and I have zero, I have no family connection to the club whatsoever. My dad's a Rangers fan. My friends, when I was in primary school, they were all Celtic and here in Dumfries and Gallery, where I'm from, it's it's Celtic or Rangers and that's it. That's all we have. So I was, I was kind of growing up always wanting that alternative and I found Hearts and they were the underdogs and they looked so cool, that maroon. And I remember seeing a, uh, I think it was Laria Kingston. He was on loan for us at the time, I think. And he was just bombing up, bombing up and down the wings with his red boots and his dreadlocks. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I want to know more about this club. And I just fell in love with them over and over and over again. And there's that part of me that goes, there must be people, especially in Scotland, even just looking outside the Edinburgh bubble, there'll be areas in the country where the people don't have their club, kids don't have their club yet. They don't have a club to associate with. 
and there should be campaigns, there should be some things in place that are just trying to get our brands, our, our badge basically in their minds. You know, this is an option and, and it's a very good option. It's, it's the underdog, they take on the Goliath. You know, it's, it's just, it's such a great story. And um, yeah, I just think it should be, it should be promoted. But I, again, I'm, I'm on the side of us. I mean, I, I think we do a, a, a tremendous job and it's just more curiosity from, like, like Mark was touching on, I, I am a, I'm a marketing consultant and it is part of my sort of work. So there is that kind of curiosity with my club and just thinking, you know, is, is there some other alternative ways to, to, grow the, to grow the club, to grow the brand? I'm going to hand over to Scott and let him come in because I think he's got something to add um, and it'll mean I can avoid asking Stephen why he doesn't support Queen of the South. Or <laughs> <laughs> Annan. Uh, cheers, Laurie. I, really good question, Stephen. I, I think one of the things that the club would have to do and I include the fan base in this as well is probably try and approach something like this with a bit of an open mind. Yes. When you talk about identity, image, a new culture, you can't just go abroad and expect the things that work here to work elsewhere. So I think there would be a lot of market research, probably approaching people like yourself and trying to find out how you got attached to the club and then taking those findings and seeing how you can incorporate that into selling almost the story and the image of the club. So is it a case of going to things like McCray's Battalion and making a big deal out of that? Is it looking at, strips and looking at an alternative to what we offer here could there be a different design or a different color that maybe attracts supporters elsewhere and i think culture is a big one as well so would there be a case and say having an official club forum that people from overseas can sort of interact on and and maybe find fellow fans on as well and maybe link up with i know twitter can offer that but something that the club can maybe micromanage and sort of manipulate a little bit more to their advantage Mm-hmm. And I think the, the main one, and this, this comes to you, yourself specifically here, Stephen, how do you recognise people like yourself? You know, naturally, people who go through the turnstiles every Saturday or every second week can get loyalty points, but how do you recognise someone's support out with of attending games? And yep. that's something that I think some fans can have a bit of a snobbery towards. You see it when there's cup finals and you'll see the same people kick up a fuss about someone's managed to get a ticket and nearly go twice a season. I think that people channel their energy and their support into the club in many different ways and means and forms. And I think what the club need to look at if they were looking at enhancing their brand internationally is how you, first of all, maintain the loyalty because it's easy to attract a bit of interest. You, You know, you could perform any sort of stunt to maybe get a few inches in a column in a newspaper but it's how you actually maintain that for years and years. Exactly Scott yeah absolutely completely agree and I'd also just to make another point as well we've we've got we've got the international boys coming into the team as well so that'll play another part um, internationally especially with Nathaniel and uh, you know Cami and stuff things like that these these kind of signings that we bring in this is a sort of generational because that's that's what I'm thinking of I'm not thinking of you know for this season for next season it's more for in the next 10 years, 15 years when they grow up. Because if, if that seed's planted and they jump on, they become associated with hearts. There's there's sort of two pathways there that get that get made. It's it's either a ultra fan like myself who invests a lot of money and a lot of time into the club but doesn't go to the games, or it could be one that goes to the matches, of course. Um, or it could be a player and it could be someone that you know grows up, plays, maybe not necessarily in our in the central belt or in our area but out, out with our area and um, we can attract them that way as well so it's just yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking to be done about it but it's yeah it's, it's interesting it's good 
Yeah, I think I think in in 2012, May 2012, I think a 13 year old Cameron Peter Devlin was inspired to to get a, a heart shirt over <laughs> o, over in Australia with with mm-hmm. uh, number 17 McGowan on the back because uh, yeah. Uh, our international reach was just was inspiring, <laughs> inspiring young Aussies to follow, <laughs> follow the to follow the Gorgie. No, but it, even you know, it, it did touch on it there. The, the three Aussie boys, the amount of journalists that have called me since they've signed is incredible. And and you know, even again being asking a, for their sort number. of a, asking, do you know Cammy Devlin? Can I get his number? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there is a higher interest in you know, hope or I would imagine that all three will go to the World Cup. Yeah, you know, that's a story in itself. I know that um, two big journalists from Australia and two of the sort of main, you know, like Sky Sports equivalent in Australia have travelled over to interview the boys at Hearts and ask questions and and done that. So there's no doubt that there'll be you know, young Aussies that have taken an interest in Hearts through these three players. And um, like you said, you know, if you can get them from the sort of 10... 12, 13, I think like YouTube, you know, you touched on it, those videos that go up on Instagram and, um, you know, even if they can make a YouTube channel, kids are obsessed with YouTube and Instagram and, and Twitter, the, the social media power that they have, if they could just think outside the box and, and just get something that gets the kids interested. You know, I've got a, a six-year-old that that's all he loves doing is watching um, YouTubers and you know, videos on YouTube probably watches all your ones, Scots, because I've saved them all. That you know, that's Daddy scoring there. <laughs> Harry, that's Daddy scoring again. Yep, that's yeah, another but, one. But um, but but you know, a lot of them. Are, <laughs> uh, that's a big sort of um, promotional tool for for that younger generation. That you know, if they can get to then go to their parents and say, you know, I want to go watch this Barry Mackay. Look what you know the skills that he did at the weekend. I want to try that. Can I go watch him because he plays? You know, if they're living out side of sort of Edinburgh you know he's playing against St. Johnson or St. Mirren I want to go watch him you know that's the sort of yep. type of marketplace that you can try and get those you know younger fans into what were we going to say Laurie Stephen, what were we going to say Stephen ask Ryan what team his six-year-old son supports <laughs> don't ask me he's still got time he's still got time oh Ryan what so, team is it go and tell us uh, it's a green team Oh, okay. <laughs> and I've scored against him twice. <laughs> but he's, only young. he's only young. He's only young. He's only young. So he'll change. He'll, he'll still slowly time. grow out of it. Okay. <laughs> he'll slowly grow out of it. But can I just ask? It's a little bit. But how come you've not been to a game? Can I ask oh, that? well, that's that's really just. To be honest, I don't really have an excuse now, Ryan. To be honest, I should. It, it, I'm a little bit. Maybe, maybe it is. We touched on it a bit earlier. Maybe it is the sort of insecurity of never going. And then you know, I'm, I'm 29 now, 30 next year. I don't really have a lot of um, people around me that are Hearts fans. That are you know, it's just I don't really have. It's it's literally just me. So it's kind of like. I tell you what, Stephen. That's a bit of intimidation. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna fix, Stephen. We're gonna fix this tonight. I'll I will get your email address and we'll sort out a game because there's plenty of Sunday games. Okay. And um, we'll get you some tickets, and I'll take you along on one of the Sundays. Oh, I mean that that would that's dreams come true stuff right there. That's that. Yeah, oh. sort of Laurie can get us tickets. <laughs> Laurie can get us tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Stephen, seriously, we can. Uh, we'll fix know, that. There's a great yeah. network of fans out there. Um, I know. Yeah. And there's there's um, someone who I would call a friend now who um, who listens to the show, um, who is from Norway, and. It's similar to you. There's no rhyme or reason. In the 80s, he just decided he liked hearts. And he sent 
he sent the podcast an email um, before the cup final in 20, uh, would have been the 2019 one, just saying he likes to listen to the show. He's coming over um, for the cup final. Can't wait for it. So I just got his number and we met up in the pub and I've met up with him a few times now. Um, And he came over on his own just for the cup final um, from, from Norway. He just, for whatever reason, decided he liked hearts in the 80s. So there's a good network of folk out there. So don't get yep. Don't be worried on that side of things. You know, you don't have to have a a long term group of, of fellow fans that you're close with. Mm. There's there's plenty out there. And as Ryan says, he'll he'll sort your tickets. Um <laughs> he'll, he'll buy the I'll take it buy to, the to a few pubs beer. as well. We won't have to oh, Ryan, you're the man. Thank you so much. Laurie, thank no you. No worries, we'll sort that out. Thanks thank for joining you. us, Stephen. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Have a lovely time. Thank you so much for this. Thanks, Stephen. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, that was um, very interesting, Mark. I, I enjoyed that thoroughly, having our first segment of No Idle Talk. And they were very well behaved. No one swore. Yeah. And I thought there were Better than us. Person. Yeah, right. <laughs> Excellent. No, really good. And a nice way to end it as well with with Stephen. I'm looking forward to seeing the photos when uh, when you and Ryan take Stephen out on the turf. He's he's a boy from from down in the southwest, so be be gentle with him. He he not, didn't answer. Your... He didn't answer why he. You know, it's oh, everyone supported Rangers or Celtic. I wanted to support an underdog. I did feel like going <coughs> um, Queen of the South, <laughs> based in the town. <laughs> But once it'll be, yeah, just don't tell him about that because once he finds out about the chips and curry sauce you can get at Palmerston, you'll never <laughs> want to go to Tyne Castle again. No, really good, really good. And and yeah, I thought it was engaging because like the, this podcast, and good to get Scott's thoughts here as well. This, this podcast is basically pub chat, except you can tell someone to shut up in a pub and you can't edit some of the stuff out, but it, that's what it is. And and I'd like it's to do that again, po- going, possibly going like. Forward. Possibly like Diggers, maybe not Benson's though, but yeah. And that, well, don't get me wrong, I go to both of them, but I would probably rather I wasn't recorded by the time that I'd stumble into Benson's. There's probably a few more swear words by that point. Yeah. <laughs> That's the unfair <laughs> stuff. No, exactly. And and we will say um, we will say thank you and goodbye to Ryan McGowan, who had to dash off because uh, his 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 mother was meant to fly away today, and now she's back because her flight was cancelled. So he's had to go and uh, spend time with her. So he, he's gone. So it's just me, you, and 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 Scott. Really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. And uh, I think our podcast, Scott's YouTube channel, Amaruso lets it run. Everything. It's not like X is better than Y or whatever. If if we can all be kind of inclusive, like one big family, and you know where to go. If you want to watch old old kind of footage of and of Gowser's assists, because even <laughs> before he left us off air, he was like, Scott, you've got to make sure, right? There's like three or four assists I got, and I don't know why I'm putting it on a kind of I was missing that's, that's, that's not Australian. Australian. Well you'll you'll hammer me if I do an Aussie accent. But he was like, Oh, you need to Go look on. out for no, get I mate. Scott Mike, Scott Mike, find those assists, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but that's what he was like. There's got to be a place for everyone to, to kind of view a podcast. There's loads of them out there. Scott's YouTube channel and everything. How did, by the way, and and this is a tangent feature in Scott. How did you get the idea in the first place um, to to do the the YouTube channel, Scott? 
I think it, it probably it was born a little bit out of necessity and desperation. I had I'd done the, the sort of the radio stuff for a few years and when that sort of went to the side about three or four years ago, I was I still found that I wanted to put some energy into doing stuff focusing on hearts, even when I'm not at the game. So it kind of just started off as finding a few tapes of my own, uh, just sort of uploading them, and then starting to chat away a few other people on Twitter. So uh, a couple of people in particular, Gary Cowan, Colin Robertson, people that have been involved with the club for a number of years in terms of you know being proper historians. They had a you know a, a huge sort of fountain of sort of uh, knowledge and resource. So they were able to hand over some of their content, and then it was a case of then recording that as well and and uploading that onto the computer. And it's just sort of developed then into the the Twitter page, which I love doing as well. Because you get a good sort of healthy balance, eh? maybe not rewriting history, but maybe getting fans to to look back on players that they maybe wrote off at the time and look back and go, you know what, they were they were actually you know big contributors. I think John Miller's a good example of that. I remember being quite young at the time, but John Miller was a bit of an unfancied player for Hearts uh, when he was at the club. But you know, you look back now, especially his goal contributions in big Falkers games. away, I remember you posted that. God, he was a, a great player for us, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, the you know, the great example of an unsung hero. So I just get joy to doing that. And then if you can wind up the Hibs fans now and again, then that's just an added bonus. <laughs> well, not only do you have um, copious amounts of great hearts footage, but um, you also have a wee stash of no idle talk fanzines. Um, and... My my thoughts were so for those younger um listeners, this was a, a fanzine, and for those much younger listeners, a fanzine was like a little program that was made by fans rather than by the club officially back in the day. Um now because we've called this segment No Idol Talk, obviously we know where No Idol Talk comes from in terms of originally from a heart song, but um I guess in use as a title in terms of something involving fan discussion. It was used between 92 and 2005 for this particular publication. Um, now, we can reference some of the content. We should say all the content in No Idol Talk was of the opinion of each individual contributor rather than the fanzine as a whole. But there were some really good bits and bobs in there. And I think you managed to dig out um, an article f- to just feature on this week's episode. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to pick something that kind of gave a window to some of the younger listeners as to the type of content that fanzines could offer that you would now see on Twitter. So this one was all centred around why Hibs are the the second team in Edinburgh. And it just gives a few examples and you'll be happy to know that 22 years on, all the examples are still as relevant nowadays as they were back back in 2000. So it comes from issue 47, which was published back in... August 2000. So it just starts off by saying, why Hibs will always be Edinburgh's second team? If Hibs win the Scottish Cup for the sixth time, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. That hasn't changed. If Hibs win the League Cup for the fifth time, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. Again, that hasn't changed. If Hibs score more than seven goals in a derby, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. Hasn't changed. If Hibs go more than 22 derby games undefeated, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. If Hibs win the League Cup three times in the same decade, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. If Hibs win six honours in the same decade, they will be the second Edinburgh team to do so. 
And that's it just goes on and on. And again, every example that was there in 2000 is still relevant 22 years later. So I thought that was quite a good one to start off with. Yeah, and we've had another couple of cup wins since then ourselves. So, uh, no, I, I, some of the content was, was great. I missed a lot of the early ones from No Idle Talk. I remember when I first started going to the football, you could get them before the game. Um, this was sort of mid to late 90s. And I, I, I hadn't realised it had gone on as late as 2005. But um, I'm quite impressed that that was the case. And yeah, I guess these days, the, the, the equivalent is things like this as a podcast or blogs that people write. So there is still that fan content out there. It's just naturally, I guess, evolved, hasn't it? Yeah, and if I'm honest, looking for content was quite difficult with Chris Robinson's passing because there was a few choice articles yeah. uh, for, a few, for a few articles pertaining to himself. So obviously I didn't want to go bringing up any of that stuff. Uh, no. So I that did make it a bit difficult. But, uh, but aye, there's still plenty of good sort of anti-hib stuff in there. Uh, there's <laughs> some really good content regarding... Uh, the early Daisy off the ball and Tam Cowan and that. So you'd, you'd be interested in what you find. And also there's there's quite a few interesting articles in there where you can look back and go, I can't even believe that was allowed back then. So it'd be interesting to see what younger listeners would maybe make some of the content. Indeed. And we'll maybe reference a few uh, other uh, articles and contributions from the old No Idle Talk fanzines in our future episodes of Scarves Round the Funnel, No Idle Talk. Okay, before we go from this week's episode, I know we've ran on a little bit more, but I hope everyone appreciates that we had a few callers and we want to see how it, basically how it all transpired. And I think it's been good to give them the time to make their point and have a chat with us. And we appreciate them all taking their time to do so. Uh, just a couple of things to mention in relation to Big Heart. So first of all, this week uh, on Wednesday, the 28th, it will be an evening with Big Heart's Timecastle. Now this is basically... Big Hearts giving everyone the opportunity to hear about the different projects that they currently work on. Obviously, a very important charity does some great work in the community. I will be hosting the event, um, but don't let that put you off. It will mainly be uh, some terrific guest speakers who work on the different projects, some of them helping young people, some of them looking at um, social inclusion and diversity and basically helping the community and, and raising some vital funds for people. So you can get to that. It's free of charge to attend and there will be a bar afterwards as well. So that's on Wednesday the 28th. If you go to bigheart.org.uk, you can book your place and it's in the Skyline Lounge at Tynecastle. Um, maybe even more importantly, another Big Hearts thing is on Saturday. So this is when Hearts play Rangers. It's the Big Hearts Food Bank Collection. So this is an aid of Community One Stop Shop, which is a local food bank in Broomhouse. So before the game, so between 11am and 12.30pm, um, you can uh, donate to the food bank. So Big Hearts, Jambos Kickback and, Heart of, and Hearts will uh, be joining forces to collect donations of non-perishable food items on the day. Um, main drop-off points are at Foundation Plaza, which is, of course, McLeod Street in front of the new main stand, Wheatfield Street at the Turnstiles, um, and there'll be Big Hearts and Community One Stop Shop volunteers on hand from 11am until kickoff, which is 12.30. And the items they urgently need are UHT milk, tinned vegetables, tinned ham and tuna, tinned fruits, puddings, so that's custard, rice, etc. 
coffee, tea and biscuits. Um, they encourage All Hearts fans to get involved to help hundreds of local families who will struggle to get essential food supplies over the coming months. Um, Community One Stop Shop feeds an average of 400 people every month and a significant increase is expected over the winter period and well into the new year. And I'm sure we're all aware of you know the financial issues facing the country just now. So if you can, um, please donate at the sites mentioned and it all goes obviously to, to very good. It's a very worthy cause and it goes to people who really need it. Um, moving on, before we go, we have to touch on Hearts Rangers and we've ran on a little bit more, so I'm not going to take too much time chatting about this game. Um, Hearts go into this game three points behind Rangers, uh, three goals worse off, but that does mean a win on Saturday could put Hearts in second place by the time the three o'clock kickoff start. Just two points behind Celtic. Equally, a defeat. And the likes of St Mirren, Livingston, Hebs, Aberdeen could all be looking to take advantage and potentially leapfrog Hearts. Um, Scott, how are you feeling about this one? Pretty confident, uh, to be honest. I think covering that international break will have done us some some favours. Uh, the number of international squad call-ups, even although a few of them maybe won't get many minutes, uh, I think will definitely boost the confidence of those players as well. And I'm quite confident playing Rangers. I, I think there's a, although points-wise there's not a huge gap just now, I would say there is quite a considerable gap in quality and, and probably psychology between Celtic and Rangers just now. Whereas Celtic are relentless and they'll keep going, I think Rangers under Van Bronckhorst have a tendency to overcomplicate formations and systems when in, in domestic football they really should just put their best 11 players and they should win nine times out of ten. So I do think there's an opportunity to you know to catch them, uh, catch them out here. And if we press the game using guys that we've mentioned earlier, like Cammy Devlin and that, then I'm, I'm confident we can get three points. Mark, looking ahead to the game, um, Rangers have lost three of the last four, but that was to Celtic, to Ajax, to Napoli. Different level of opponent. Uh, they did only edge past Dundee United last time out, though. Going into this match, how do Hearts approach it? And is this a game that they should be looking to take the match to Rangers and go for three points that could put them in a very, very nice position ahead of the other games? Within reason, Laurie. I was looking back at December last year and I haven't listened to the podcast prior to the Hearts Rangers game, but I remember feeling pretty optimistic, feeling confident. We had drawn at Ibrox in the October and and we were two down in, inside a quarter of an hour. And, and they they hit us early, and 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 Ginelli sent off late on didn't really make too much of a difference. But I noticed that Hart started as four to one outsiders, and and there's been a fair bit of money, and and they're they're kind of seven to two, kind of three to one now, which I still think is is a generous price. I wouldn't be taking Rangers at four to five. They might win. They probably should win, given. Um, the, the the players that they have, but they're they're not great in form. I mentioned last week, speaking to a few pals who were at the Rangers Dundee United game, weren't impressed. But they do save their best for the bigger games, and they they see Hearts as a big game um, coming to Tynecastle. It's something that Stephen Gerrard always made sure his players were up for, um, and I'm sure Gio van Bronckhurst will do the same. Now the other thing is we've got a game against Fiorentina to come the following Thursday, but they have a trip to Anfield three days after this. So 
Who's to say? Because that's going to be their last chance, having been thumped in the first two games. They're going to have to take something from Anfield against Liverpool, which I don't think they will. Will they have their focus on that? Giovanni Bronckhurst will ensure that they don't have, but from a player's perspective, you've got Liverpool. You're at Tynecastle. Yeah, you want to win. Yeah, you want to close the gap um, to, to, to Celtic and even overtake them now, because that's what they can do if, if, if they win, having with Celtic losing at St Mirren. So do you want to go in for that tackle, knowing that if you do get hurt, is that in the back of your mind that you might miss out at Anfield? A lot of things going on here. So I think it's a good thing for Hearts that Liverpool Rangers is three days afterwards. I think Hearts will win this one. And I think the 4-1 to one and the 7-2 to two is a heck of a value. I don't know why I'm basing that on anything, but we've got momentum. And I think we'll win this one. I do as well. Why not? Good. Let's go for it. We, we know we're eternal optimists. Well, these yes. days we are on this podcast. And you know what? I want us to be sitting second by three o'clock. So I'm going to have to predict a win by two goals. Um, so I'm going to go first. I, I don't usually, but I'll go first. I'm going to go with a 2 0 Hearts win and then go with Stephen Kingsley to whip in a free kick. And I hope that doesn't mean that he's going to play for Scotland and get injured and not play. I hope I've not jinxed it. Scott, okay, Scott, what do you reckon? What's your prediction? <laughs> I'm going to say 2-1, and I think Forrest's going to get another goal for us at the weekend. Okay. 1-0 Shankland. Look at that. Three out of three. Three wins on the board. Probably 4-0 Rangers now, but you never... You just... <laughs> but we don't like to predict that. We want to keep it optimistic. So, um, we will be back next week to discuss Heart of Midlothian against Rangers and that'll be before Hearts play their home leg against Fiorentina so we will be back uh, early in the week to review Saturday's game I'd like to thank Scott for joining us I'd like to thank Ryan for joining us and everyone else who called in this is going to be possibly around every month that we'll do No Idle Talk and have more fans on to give their opinions to bring up topics, to ask questions so if you would like to be involved in it next time, do drop us an email, podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk and you can keep up to date with everything we're doing on Twitter, that's at Around the Funnel uh, Scarves Around the Funnel is sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald's Signs thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back next week yeah.